morning. Good morning. Uh, the announcements today, uh, there's only a couple of sort of deadlines here. The Intergenerational Day of Service, which is formerly the Youth Day of Service, which is far too complicated for an old geezer like me, but changing that name. The registrations by January 23rd, the event's gonna be on February 1st. I uh, would note that uh, on Monday at 7 p.m. St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church over on Holly Street here in St. Albans, there's a, uh, the annual uh, Martin Luther King celebration, if anybody's interested. The rest of the announcements uh, aren't time sensitive, so I'll leave you to read those. And with that, let's worship God. Please join me in the uh, call to worship. Sing a new song, a, a song, song of, of thanks, thanks and praise. For God has done wondrous deeds and, and is great beyond, beyond compare. The gathering song number 39, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Please join us.
And as we get ready to sing, come live the light, hymn number 749, please pass the peace to your neighbor. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I'm a good congregation singer. As long as that bass goes down to the note. Let us pray. Glorious Lord, we thank you that you've called us here to worship you, to claim your love, your authority, your peace, your patience, to claim it not just for you, but for us as well. Help us to concentrate on that, to seek that, to worship you because of that. In this we pray in your great name. Amen. Let us confess, confess our sins to God, for the Holy One is steadfast in love and always ready to forgive. Mother in God, we have chased after foolish things and spent our strength on vanity. Our labor has been in vain. Deliver us from arrogance and forgive our self-concern that we may find our reward with you as servants of your dreams. 
Beloved, you are forgiven in Christ, the Lamb who bears our sin. Happy are those who put their trust in God and delight to do God's will. For God makes our footing sure upon the rock of Christ. Please be seated. Our first scripture for today comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. In your pew Bible, if you want to follow along, page 679. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Thanks be. I'm sorry, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. It's me. 
trying a new exodus thing here today. If I could have all the young at heart down front. Good morning. I knew that. <laughs> well, good morning, Elliot. Well, everybody else abandoned you today, right? Oh, well, that's what happens. Well, that's good because I have, I think I have a message just for you today. You're, you're old enough to handle this, right? There you go. So what is that? That's a knife. That's right. And what do you notice about that knife? It's sharp. Yes. Did, did I handle that correctly to you? Okay. Now, you always want to hand the handle to somebody else when you're giving them a knife, right? Why would that be? That's probably pretty sure. Yes. So you, you want to hand that back to me? There. Okay. There you go. Good job. All right. So why am I bringing a knife to a little message here? Well, there was a knife mentioned. There was actually a sword mentioned in the Old Testament lesson today from Isaiah. And that's not quite a sword, is it? No. What would be the difference between this and a sword? A sword they would have used back then in Isaiah's day. That cuts food, right? Sword is usually used in a battle. I'm sure they cut food with them too. They were, it depends on the army, but most armies had one that was maybe this long. And it wasn't just sharp on one side, it was sharp on both sides. So when God mentions that the chosen one is going to be a mighty sword, it's a sharp sword on both sides. And what does it mean to have a, a knife or a sword sharp, sharpened on both sides, both edges? You can cut both ways, exactly. And it even, but it, it also makes it more dangerous because if you go to cut something, that could be pushed back into you and cut you too, right? Yes. So the th and that was always the part of the warning that the our Bible uh, Bible witnesses gave to us when they talked about the two-edged sword. That the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's meant for not only cutting the sinners who are listening, but also for the sinner that's preaching. Isn't that something? So God, God is like that two-edged sword who is, say, tell, is sharp on both ends, both edges, can cut both ways, and is prepared to pare us down to the, to the right size, that, that we will suddenly go, oh, that's what God meant. I'll listen next time. So that's why we have a knife here, and that's why God says that his chosen one was a two-edged sword, cutting both ways, both the listener and the speaker, for all sinners to be made, cut down to size for, for God. Because you were going to say something. No? no? Okay. Well, you want to pray? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us. To not be, need too much cutting. But Lord, if we do, cut us so we are prepared. 
for your heaven. In this we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Our second reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, from chapter 1, reading verses 29 through 42. So John chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, there is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? 
he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Kephas, which is translated Peter, which is further translated rock. I added that. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Reading this morning's passage from Isaiah, along with the story of John the Baptist, it uh, reminded me of, of a German theologian named Hermann Gunkel. He focused on the Psalms mainly in, in the one text I was reading, and he had picked out 10 of the Psalms that he called the royal Psalms because they tended to focus on what the king was to do in the nation of Israel with and through God. Herman Gunkel called these the royal, royal Psalms because they tended to offer to the king a job description how they were to follow God's law and handling their job, if you will, as king. So if, if you want a quick list, it's Psalm 2 and 18, 20, 21, 45, 72. I see all you writing these down. 101, 110, 132, 144. Bingo? No. I was waiting for that. And Psalm 72 seems to be the one that matches up with our two scriptures this morning. It's the closest in Gunkel's arrangement that seems to match today's scriptures in describing what the king does and how the king has been identified in this Isaiah passage or the chosen one has been identified in this Isaiah passage and in John as well. You have to realize that often uh, kings in the ancient days were also called the, the anointed one, the Messiah. Uh, that's where David Koresh from Waco, uh, Texas, got that crazy idea that he was one of he was the chosen one. He took the name Koresh, which uh, which which means that. And I know many of you are kind of surprised because you're saying job description for a king? I mean, isn't the job description of a king to hold a scepter and wear a crown and fancy, fancy robes and sign parchments when people bring them to you, right? You think that's the job description of a king. But now listen to Psalm 72 and hear what God lays out for a king's identity. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May the king be a judge, your people with righteousness, and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May his foes bow down before him and his enemy lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and all the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. 
May all kings fall down before him. All nations give him service. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be brought to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all day long. May there be abundance of grain in the land. May it wave on the tops of the mountains. May its fruit be like Lebanon and many people's blossoms in the city like grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May all nations be blessed in him. May they pronounce him happy. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. There you go. Job description for a king. It's more than, like I said, wearing a crown, holding a scepter, wearing fancy clothes. The king is given the direct instance in five of these verses to do what? Judge the people with righteousness. Give the poor justice. Defend the poor. Deliver the needy and crush the oppressor. Have pity on the weak and save the needy. Redeem their life. And the other 11 verses are just how wonderful God is. And because of the wonder of God, the king will be lifted up and remembered. But in those five verses, you have explicitly the job description of a king. They should look out for those who don't have a voice, who don't have authority and power, who need someone to be their hero, their champion, their savior. That seems to be the, 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 the insistence that God has, the, the predilection for, seek, for looking out for the poor. The Bible tends to lean that way. Not that anyone else isn't important, but those who don't need a king to help them have their means already. And as we also understand, the, those who are poor and needy oftentimes are in that case because someone else has put them there. Someone else has, uh, with restrictions or wars or just their own personal predilections have caused some people to have and some to have not. And that's when you need that king. That's according to Psalm 72. That's why you need the king to watch out for them, to seek out for them, to defend them, to save them from their oppressor. The king is to defend all faith and defend all people. But primarily the king is there to defend those who have been left Now, as a side note, I've mentioned the word king a few times. And tomorrow happens to be Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. It's going to be a celebration, St. Francis Church at 7 o'clock, as we remember his words. And if you think back, Martin Luther King was a king who followed the the, the, the call from Psalm 72 to seek and defend the needy and the poor, to lift them up, to have them offered a new and redeemed life. That's what kings do. That's what kings should do. But we know differently, don't we? 
Often our kings act like the kings with crowns and scepters and fancy robes, and that's all they think about. They think about protecting their crowns and scepters and robes, and they don't care for or seek out to defend and lift up and remake and redeem. One reason why it wasn't enough for God to allow the people of Israel to have kings, he had to send his son Jesus to come and be among them. Just as John the Baptist said, this is the the Lamb of God, come to be slaughtered for us in our place, to be the scapegoat, to take on our sins, our discrepancies, our failures. This Jesus has come as the true nature of a king, redeeming all and every. He was here to seek that justice for the poor and the needy, to crush the oppressor, to have them see who they really were, in his words, the ones that cut both ways. But John the Baptist wasn't happy enough to give Jesus the kingly title and the kingly job description. He said, this anointed one comes with a special purpose, two additional jobs to fulfill, and only Jesus can fulfill. One, that he will baptize with the Spirit. Two, that as the Lamb of God, he will be the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice for the salvation that God offers to us all. The ultimate sacrifice. The scapegoat for all sinners. The Redeemer for all time and all history. Jesus came to offer that to us. Jesus was baptized in our stead, crucified in our place, and the Spirit announced him and remained with him. And John recognized, saw, and proclaimed that. However, just like Martin Luther King Jr., the world was not happy with Jesus. And just like with Martin Luther King Jr., the powers that be would not have the poor and needy lifted up. Those who were seeking God's righteousness to be built up. They did not want the poor and the needy to become children of God. And so, our champion sent by God, this chosen one, Jesus, was nailed to a cross, left there till death, buried in a tomb, and he rose again for us in spite of what the oppressors attempted to do. So our our scriptures this morning are telling us two things, that we've had the king, the chosen one, the, the lamb of God in our midst, and he remains still forever. And true to his job description, he's seeking the best for all. But he's the champion especially for the needy, the poor, the ones who need justice, the ones who need to be lifted up and brought up. Beware of those who only look out for themselves or those like them. Beware of those who oppress, who turn the screws, 
who fight against the author of life, this Jesus, the chosen one. And our job, the only job that John the Baptist gave us is to seek the Lord while he may be found. Amen. If you would, let us stand and, using the Apostles' Creed, say what, affirm what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated and let me call the ushers forward as we return to God our offerings and tithes. Let us pray. Glorious Lord, we thank you for these gifts and these givers. Use us in your work, in your world, that soon every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord, Savior, this day and always. Amen.
We come now to our time of prayer for the prayers of this congregation in the world. And you have in the bulletin the list of names that we give you to, for your prayer time during the week. We have a couple others have been added uh, in, the, in the offering. But there may be others you'd like to add this morning for prayer. What, what prayers do we need to lift up to God? We have uh, cards from two Kathys. Kathy, Kathy Weed is asking prayers for Sammy, who's a one-year-old who has a serious staph infection, so serious he's already lost one leg to it. So keep Sammy. And this is Sarah Weed. Oh, okay. All right. It's complicated. So, out there on the tree limb, but should be in our hearts. For it. So prayer for Sammy, who is a one-year-old fighting that staph infection. And Kathy Maddie is asking for her niece, Celia, who's home from, from hospitalization, uh, but still having severe pain and complications from uh, celiac. I did pronounce that correctly. Celiac disease. So asking prayers for C Celia with celiac. Of course, celia would have celiac disease. What else? That's bad, isn't it? So prayers for her as well. The the uh, we have several that are coming up uh, to surgery. Susan, um, um, yes, Susan Baxter is, is having uh, surgery on February sixth. And now Jeff Wade, is, uh, his is going to be delayed till February 29th. But uh, keep them in your prayers for preliminaries. Um, Pebble is recovering at home with her booted foot. So keep her lifted up. Uh, Charlie Schaefer is now at uh, Golden Living for, to do some rehab. So give him, keep him in your prayers as well. Um, any other prayers? Oh, of course. Ned, you need prayers? Yes, and especially for Glenna, who looked good the day I saw her, but I know her days are up and down depending, right? She's doing right. When we see you, you here, we know she's doing well. And she tends to behave, right? Okay. <laughs> She's supposed to sit in the chair and stay there while you're here, right? Okay. Any other prayers? Oh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And, uh, Terry is this close to being fully retired, and he'll be her PT specialist, so that'll help as well. Let us come together as we seek our Lord and Savior in prayer. Let us pray. Lord of glory and grace, Lord of justice and righteousness, Lord of the two-edged sword, claim us and call us, Lord, to be your partners in ministry, to lift up all the people who are in need, those who are preparing for surgeries like Susan, and Jeff, for those who are in dire need of healing, for little Sammy, for Celia, for those continuing in that way, for, for Peggy and Pebble, for Charlie, for Carol, 
for Ellie and Robert, for Debbie, for Mike, Debbie Spidel. Keep with us, Lord. Not because we're special, but because we're made special because of you. We are lifted up as mere dust to become children of God because of your actions, because of your view of us, because of your desire for us. So as your children, we've been called to do all the things Jesus did and more, to heal and teach and touch and reach out in your name to reclaim this world and set it straight. Be that reminder, Lord, that we labor together for redemption, not for our sake, but for yours. That is why we pray for others and all their needs. That's why we pray for ourselves because we need your full support too. But fill us that we may be made ready to be the break-in of the Holy Spirit to someone this day so that all glory and honor would be yours. We do so in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the chosen one, the Lamb of God, the one who came to be to us a redemption. The one who in, our play, in, in this place reminded us of our journey with him. And that in journey includes prayer, especially that prayer he taught us when he prayed, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, if you would, stand as you're able and let us sing hymn 462 together.
So I was really keen to give you the point of the sermon today. So be sharp and take it into the world. Well, what are you standing there for? Go. Amen and amen. Amen. 